Welcome to the Sisters on the Front Lines podcast, where we unite with Christ to combat the shame surrounding young women struggling with pornography and share our stories and insights to gather more tools and weapons to fortify our stance on the front lines in the war against pornography. Welcome to this next episode of the Sisters on the Front Lines podcast. Today I am joined by someone amazing. Her name is Chloe Dalton and I'm going to have her introduce herself. Perfect. Okay, so I'm Chloe Dalton. I'm from Tucson, Arizona, born and raised. I am at BYU currently. I graduate officially in June, but I'll walk in April. I am studying psychology with a minor in family life. And the plan is to do a master's in marriage and family therapy and to do sex therapy with an emphasis in sex education. And I love volleyball. I love being with my family. I'm the youngest of seven. I have five brothers, one sister, five sister-in-laws, 14 nieces and nephews, big family person. Yeah, I am really excited to be here. So excited to have you. That's a lot of siblings. <laughs> How is that? <laughs> you like it? It's so good. I love being the youngest. I love having five sisters or five brothers. Um, I love uh-huh. having one sister because we get to be best friends. Um, right. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Wow. That's awesome. That's so fun. Well, cool, cool. Okay, so let's just start off. I just want to ask, like, start with your story. Where did... Where did pornography start for you? And kind of walk us through that. So I was eight. It was right after I got baptized. I was born and raised in the LDS faith. And so it started off with a Playboy magazine that my friend and I saw in the wash. And so just like natural curiosity, right? And then that turned into just a really intense curiosity. And so it was like online. It was apps on like an eye touch. It was just different things that progressed. And I talked to my bishop when I was 15. So it was a period of like seven years that I was obviously very secretive about it. I used the word addiction for a long time. And then after seeing a therapist, they explained to me like the spectrum. And so now I say I struggled with pornography. And it more than anything, probably affected my confidence, my self-esteem, my relationships with family, because I felt like I was lying the whole time, as well as my relationship with the church, just because I felt like I was being put on this pedestal of, um, like, you have such a good testimony. My dad was bishop for a while during this time, and it was just all of these things, and I felt like I was lying to everyone. And so I really categorized it into those seven years. And then after overcoming pornography at 15, it was more of just the guilt still and the shame that I experienced for so many years after that still hurts sometimes. But that's what I would say that that would, that's my journey in a nutshell. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So I'm curious, what do you mean it affected your confidence and it affected your, your self-image? I think a lot of people who are on this podcast or who listen to this podcast as women would probably share that experience of being in young women's lessons or being just in conversations where it sounds like, I know that you don't struggle with this or this isn't something that you have to worry about or I would never think that you would do it. Don't worry. And so I felt othered 
in so many ways that I was mm-hmm. this female who was struggling with pornography, which may which meant that something was wrong with me, which meant that I was disgusting, which meant that I was I had like an overly active sex drive at 13 or something like that. And mm-hmm. so I just felt that I wasn't normal and that I was gross. And so that obviously affects your confidence in your developmental period of middle school and different things. And so I thought very little of myself because someone who isn't worth a lot would look at pornography. Like that was the the connection in my brain. Yeah. And that is so common. Like it's so sad how common it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you talked about kind of you had these expectations like your dad was the bishop you know how did you like how did you handle that like did that play a part into it that was more of when I at the beginning of it so probably from like eight to ten is when my dad was bishop so I don't know that I really understood at that point I think it was still at a very curious level but I was raised in a household where I think it was intensified because we were, we were raised to be righteous individuals, right? And to make good choices. Mm -hmm. And I, and I knew that that, I knew enough that that wasn't a great choice. And I didn't feel like I could talk to anyone about it because I was hard on myself and because I didn't really understand repentance. Right. And so I, I do think not purposefully, but there was some expectations being raised in a religious household that I couldn't come and talk to my parents or to my family members or be open about it. Yeah. So in your family, was that something that was talked about? Like, just, I guess, like sex in general, like, I hear a lot of people say, Oh, yeah, we just had the one and done, like the talk, you know, what did conversations around that look like in your family? Yeah, I I think it was very much that. And since I've talked to my parents about it, and we've had a lot more conversations, but that was that was kind of how it was. I had a conversation with my mother at a very young age and after that there wasn't really much else and sex wasn't really a topic that was comfortable or something that was discussed Mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense so had you ever heard of other girls struggling with pornography like when was what at what point had you heard of another girl struggling with it probably very recently and how old are you now by the way I'm 23 now 23 okay yeah probably just in the past couple of years when I've become very vocal about it have I had a lot of conversations with other women who have felt vulnerable with me and able to share after I share Mm -hmm. but for like from all of those years of struggling and afterwards in high school still had not heard of anyone which was still very disheartening (laughs) and probably one thing that contributed to making like the shame last longer was that I still felt like I was the exception yeah yeah and then what did those like you said that you had other girls open up to you like from the I'm guessing that it's multiple girls that you had talked to about this was it like all of them that struggled with the same thing or what did that look like so I got home from my mission in the year 2020 and then I came back to BYU that fall and so February of 2021 sorry we're jumping a little bit but February of 2021 
I was asked to give a talk in my YSA ward about repentance because I was currently going through that process with a bishop about other law of chastity things. And he asked Mm -hmm. me to give a talk on repentance and I asked him how vulnerable and open I could be. And he said, I trust you, go for it. And so I talked about Mm -hmm. struggling with pornography for a long time and what that experience was, was like and what repentance was like during that process. And I remember looking out and seeing like more than one female crying and just having this sense of like, if I'm only reaching those three individuals, this is worth it. And afterwards, one of them specifically who I adore came up and opened up to me and was like, this is the first time that I felt seen. And I was able to say the same thing back to her of like, this is the first time that I've also felt seen by another female who struggled with the same thing. And I think from there, I've had more conversations because once I told one person, like way back when I was 16, I kind of told a few more people and then I told a whole class at BYU and then I gave this talk. And from there I was like, we can just tell everyone. And since then it has been a lot of conversations with random people with whatever, but yeah, females just seem to have every female that I've talked to, it's been kind of the same story, which has been so bonding. Yeah. 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 And it's so true. I love that you said, yeah, once I told one person, I just like it just skyrocketed because I've had that same experience. Like it just gets easier and easier and easier. And it's gotten to the point for me, at least now that it's like sometimes that's one of the first things that people know about me when I meet them. Not that I'm like putting it on projections, but like they're just asking about my life. And since this is something that I'm so involved with, it just like comes up super like naturally. And then it's kind of funny because people are like, well, you know, I know your deepest, darkest secret, but <laughs> like, tell me about yourself. And like, it's just, it's funny how, how quickly that can grow once you right. tell one person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just, yeah. I love it. I feel the same way with telling people that I want to do sex therapy, right? The question mm-hmm. that is always like, well, why do you want to do that? And it kind mm-hmm. of feels like people are like, well, there has to be a reason. That's a very, <laughs> it's a very specific thing. Like there has mm-hmm. to be some reason. And when people ask that, I'm always like, well, I'll give you an honest answer. It's because I struggled with pornography for a long time. And that translated into struggling with boys. And then that mm-hmm. translated into realizing that like there is so much work to be done when it comes to understanding sexuality, our bodies, consent, all of that. It's not necessarily just a pornography problem. It's so much bigger than that, especially in the church. And we have so much work to do. Yeah. Yeah. I I 100% agree. I guess for if there's any like parents or leaders listening, coming from your perspective of doing so much research around this topic, what advice do you have regarding, I guess, like pornography or like sex education, things surrounding that? Yes, for parents especially, but also for leaders, it starts, that conversation starts with children. That conversation about our body starts with children. And instead of making pornography the problem, I think owning some of that as a parent of teaching your child about their body and teaching your child about their relationship to other people I think that ownership can prevent a lot of problems. Not that it's parents' fault, but a lot of children just don't have a healthy relationship with their own body or with other people's bodies or with the feelings that their bodies experience. 
And I think that's more of an issue than your child seeing a naked image, right? Like if we can yeah. teach children about their bodies and seeing a naked image doesn't have to be as big of a deal as it, as it sometimes is. Mm-hmm. And so the conversation around sexuality, around all of that starts from a young age. And I would say more than anything, research has shown that the conversation needs to lean towards the positive instead of the negative. For every one negative warning that you give, you should be teaching your child five things that are positive about their body, about sexuality, about other people, about these God-given abilities that God has given us, right? And so it's just the conversations that we have. Being vulnerable is so important. I wish parents could teach their children that I'm also imperfect. That's going to be something that's huge in my house. My children will know that I've struggled with pornography because I want them to know that I'm a safe space and that I'm there for them and that messing up isn't isn't thing. I I love that advice for parents. I think that is all golden. And I think did the five to one did that come from John Gottman? I don't know. I think I had heard it from him. John Gottman has said that, and a lot of other sex therapists have supported that as well. Sweet. Okay. And I think I read an article on that. So maybe I'll, I'll link it in like the show notes in case people are wondering about that. Cool. Okay. So I just, I want to kind of switch gears. So I'm wondering, did, did social media play a part of it at all for you? I don't really think it did. It didn't. Since I was eight when it started, social media wasn't really a thing for me, at least yet. And then once I okay. did, it's still, I just didn't really have a lot of access or like know what to search. So right. I don't think social media, I think now it probably does. I think now yeah. it probably is where that temptation lies because everything else isn't as much of a temptation. And so if I ever have that, it probably is from social media. Yeah, that makes sense. So what got you to eventually talk to someone? Like what was the catalyst for change okay very specific so the first time that I talked to someone to go into a bishop I just felt this prompting after mutual that I needed to go and talk to this bishop and be very vague because I was very scared but I went to the bishop after after mutual and just said hey can we talk and I walked in and even really before I could say anything he just said I want you to know that God loves you and that he's proud of you and that he's forgiven you. Mm. And so I didn't, I kind of mentioned struggling with pornography, but there wasn't much of a conversation. And at that point, I had been really trying to be better and repent in just the ways that I knew how. And so that was kind of that conversation. And then I felt like I was done. And that was at 15. Mm-hmm. But then the shame and the guilt and the temptation continued. And so that was when. Around 17, I was coming back from a vacation with some family friends, and we had been in Mexico, and they were listening to a Hank Smith talk where he talks about the Provo City Center tabernacle burning down and getting built up into a temple, and he parallels it with this story of one of his students who struggled with pornography, who was a female, and kind of her repentance, getting torn down by this really awful thing, but then getting built up into this beautiful temple, because that's what repentance does for us, and Mm -hmm. At the end, he gives a very direct invitation that if you are struggling to contact like your priesthood leader or to talk to somebody about it and to get help. And so I messaged my bishop and said, hey, we need to meet. And that was the first time that I really opened up to somebody about everything. That was the first Mm -hmm. real conversation that I had of like, this is what I've been holding on to. This is what I've been struggling with. 
and this is what it's looked like for the past for like you know for those first seven years and then for the last two years and so that was that was really hard it's really hard to be vulnerable with someone about what struggling with pornography looks like because those questions can involve like what kinds how often where are you when it happens and it's that's a really it's a really scary place to be in because you have to really confront the hardest parts of your struggle yeah for sure and that yeah that's got to take a lot of guts to do that and to answer those hard questions i want to go back for just a second i i really liked what you said when you first went to the bishop let me know if i'm saying it wrong but you you said like you he said that you are forgiven and that you, what were the other two points? That God loved me and that he was proud of me. Wow. Mm-hmm. That is just so good. And I think that a lot of times, I'm just so glad because every person that I've had on the podcast so far has had a good experience with their bishop. But I have heard stories like outside of the podcast where they don't have as good of an experience. And there's a huge distinction between those two and I think that the most helpful thing that I have heard these good experiences what they come from is the bishops reassuring them of their identity because I think so many times especially if if you're getting yourself into the bishop's office you don't need to hear hey you know this is wrong right you know like (laughs) you know that this is a sin and and we even hear like um sins regarding the law of chastity are right up next to murder and like That's terrifying. And so to be able to get yourself into the bishop's office after hearing those types of messages is an accomplishment in and of itself. And then to be able to be so open and vulnerable, what you really, really need is just to be assured of your identity, because I think that pornography is really good at tearing that away, you know. And so I I love that. I Sorry, did you have something to add on that? Just that I completely agree, and I think that really is when the Spirit works with our leaders. God is so proud of us when we come to Him, and that's not the narrative often around repentance, especially for Mm -hmm. law of chastity things. There's that culture of shame, but like you said, going to a bishop takes so much courage and so much faith that my bishop saying that after months of me trying to figure this out on my own was exactly what I needed. Uh, and it has changed me from that point. Because if, if I had had a negative experience, I understand that that can really do some damage. And so that was, yeah, it was a perfect response. Yeah, I love it. I'm so glad to hear it. And then I'm curious about, you said that you got super specific. Was that... Like, was doing that helpful for you in in talking to the bishop and your repentance process? The second time that I went to a different bishop was when I had that conversation. And that was a little traumatic. <laughs> that one was a little hard <laughs> because I, again, had not talked to anybody else about it. And this bishop was maybe not as loving as the first one. And so that one was harder Um, Because Mm -hmm. I had never vocalized this or been as open to this about somebody, even God, which obviously God knew, but I had Mm -hmm. never like sat down in a prayer and vocalized any of that to God Mm -hmm. and like could barely say the word pornography to myself yet. And so being so Mm -hmm. vulnerable at such an early on stage 
at least for me, was hard. I've shared lots more of those details with other people and it's been more healing since. And it's something that I can own a lot better today. But that first time was definitely hard and definitely a little traumatic. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. So you're you're 23 now. You've ran us through, that was eight to 15, got in the bishop's office at 15 and then got back at 17. Mm-hmm. Um, so- fill us in on the five years and like where where are you now so unfortunately after I kind of mentioned it before after I feel like I really overcame some of those struggles with pornography that struggle with I think just sexual things in general and like a lot of chastity continued just in other ways and so mm-hmm. there were a lot of years of still just like heartache and working through the repentance process because I didn't have good boundaries and I didn't understand what a healthy relationship looked like. Um, mm-hmm. And so up until I was 21, minus the mission years, there was mm-hmm. still a lot of struggle. I would say that pornography wasn't at the top of that list anymore. Obviously, the I always tell people that if something's a temptation, if something's a struggle, it doesn't just go away. And so it's it's always there, but it was definitely lower down on the list. But that struggle was manifesting in other ways. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how do you view yourself now? Like, where are you at exactly on, I guess, your recovery journey? And like, if you, if you were to slip up again, whether that be pornography or just, you know, anything regarding law of chastity how do you think that you would approach it differently versus you know you at 17 versus you at 23 also I said five years earlier I'm at six years 17 to 23 is six years but you get what you mean (laughs) I have come to love myself for my struggles that has been a huge part I recognize that I am the person I am today because I struggled with pornography because I struggled in past relationships with boundaries And that has given me so much power in owning who I am and being proud of who I am. And so if I were to slip up again or things like that, I think it would be so much easier for me to be open and honest and to give myself grace and understand that I'm a human with the amazing ability to feel so many different things. And I want to be like my heavenly father. And a part of that is is sex. And I think that that's really cool to own. And so... There's just so much, um, I think, like understanding and love that I have for myself to n- to know that I, I don't want to mess up again. And I have a lot of confidence in myself that I won't. But if I were to mess up again, that I can overcome it and that I can be honest with about it and address it way earlier on than before. I love it. That's so, so good to hear. And what an empowering feeling. Like, All right. So I'm going to go ahead and ask the last two questions that we ask to everyone so what would you say to a young girl who maybe that young girl who was you at 18 or 13 years old who is struggling right now what would you say to them oh that's an emotional question (laughs) because I think about eight-year-old and 12-year-old Chloe and I, I have nieces and nephews that age and that's who I picture and I just would want them to know that they are loved and that they are worthy of God's love and that they have such bright futures ahead. And this doesn't have to be something that defines them for the rest of their life, that Christ's atonement is there for them and that there's a way out of 
what you might feel like is the darkest point of your life, but that there's a way out. And I think one of the biggest lessons I learned is that if you think that the people who love you will judge you or think less of you or think that you are disgusting or something that they that they won't that if they truly love you if they truly love you that they will respect you and continue to love you and love you for being honest and for being vulnerable and that is something that I wish I knew way way earlier than I learned it I love it awesome okay last question what keeps you on the front lines in the war against pornography now So I mentioned that I want to do marriage and family therapy with an emphasis in sex therapy and sex education. And that has kept me on the front lines. I I truly believe that understanding who we are as sexual beings, understanding who we are here on this earth with physical bodies and all about other people and our relationship with other people, I feel like that's so fundamental and so important and pornography can destroy that image. And so I think combating pornography, a part of it is podcasts like this and talking about it. And another part of it is is sex education and understanding healthy sexuality and teaching our children and then our youth and then young adults and then adults about what healthy sexuality looks like and what appreciating and respecting and loving our body looks like and respecting and appreciating and loving other people's bodies looks like. And so that that desire to just create awareness and to build up people people's confidence when it comes to having a healthy relationship, I think that's what keeps me on the front lines because for so long, pornography defined my life because I thought I was the exception. And then once I realized that I wasn't, there there were other things that I felt like were at the root of that. And it was not being given the tools to understand my body and its purpose and sexuality. Amen. 100% agree to everything that you just said. I think that the work that you're doing is so important. And I think it comes... I love that it comes from a deep place of passion, and I think that that's going to drive you super far, and it's going to give you a lot of success and happiness in the future, and I think that's awesome. So I'm happy that we're engaged in similar causes. I think you're awesome, Chloe, and for those of you listening, this is the first time that we've met, (laughs) and like I can already tell she is just awesome. I want to be like best friends with her. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for joining me, Chloe. It was a pleasure. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And until next time, keep it up on the front lines.